I don't want to do it, but I know I have to do it every day. I've wanted to quit so many times. And maybe I've even said it out loud. On those principles, you've already compromised. That means you can do it again. That's what I want in my life, and that's what I'm gonna perform on, and I'm not compromising on it. I have a crippling anxiety that I'm not good enough. I need to work so hard every day. I use that anxiety to improve every single day because I'm afraid I'm not good enough. It's a way of thinking, and I think a lot of people could benefit. kembali dalam prestasi terbaik sepakan percuma di penghujung separuh masa pertama dari Palu Josue Guys, hit the follow subscribe button, share this with someone who would benefit from it, and help us grow, as the more we grow, the better the episodes we get. Thanks guys for helping us, and let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Sculpted Podcast, guys. Today, we are here with Sebastian Abanzini. What a guest, guys. Um, it's a crazy story. This is actually our second go over the recording. Unfortunately, we have uh, some footage that was corrupted, but thankfully, Sebastian has willingly hopped on again for another for another shot. And uh, I'm really, really keen to share Sebastian's story with you guys, get to know him some more, and bring the Sculpted Podcast to more people. So, Sebastian, if you could give us a quick introduction to who you are, that would be great. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, I'm Sebastian and I'm uh, 28 years old. I live in uh, Kuala Lumpur at the moment. And uh, yeah, for a living, I am playing football. Yeah, And that's exactly why we've got you on. Because Sebastian, we want to know about your life and how you roll. So to get started straight away, what we're going to do is quick fire questions. Now, we're going to get through these pretty quickly. What is... Your favorite football boot of all time? Favorite football boot? Currently, I am saying Puma because I am playing in Puma. But, like, if I should say, I have a, I have a few that I really like. Um, Puma at the moment. And then, uh, actually, before, I used to play in, uh, in Mizuno. And uh, Mizuno is a, is a really good boot, I must say. I actually think Mizuno, I mean, they, they, they did have a bit of a period where a lot of people started wearing them because of Hulk. And now, now Sergio Ramos has got them on. <laughs> now, I see more players wearing them. And I'm like, they don't look too bad. They don't look too bad. But they are they are quite a, a nice looking boot. All right. Why why football? That's the next question. Why was it football? Yeah, so for me, it was never that was never really a choice. 
it was uh, my dad, an Italian father. It's, if you're a son, it's you're you're playing football. You have to be really really bad for not playing football. And um, so yeah, since ever since I was a kid, ever since I could walk, it was it was football. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, going into it a bit further, you you grew up in Denmark as well, and Denmark has got a a, a very strong footballing nation, at least compared to Australia. Although actually, <laughs> beat Denmark in the World Cup, and and I know that that's a bit of a funny one because when I was in Denmark, um, I was staying with all of my family friends who used to live in Australia. And this was just after we beat Denmark in the World Cup. And it's always Denmark versus Australia in the World Cup. And this was like the first time we ever beat Denmark. So we were so happy. And all, all the Danish people, of course, they're all kind, but they were they were all joking as if, oh, the Australian, the Australians. But we were, we were happy. We were happy. Um, Next question. Best holiday destination? Well, I'm living in Denmark, so... I'm a little biased, so when I get to visit Italy, I'm I'm very happy. Um, I like the food, I like the culture, and of course, also I have family there. But aside from that, I will say I really uh, I I enjoy. I've been enjoying it actually this year in Kale, where I've been traveling around around in Southeast Asia. So it's like uh, Indonesia, um, of course, Malaysia is a great place to also spend your holidays. There's a little bit of everything, to be honest. Yeah. It would be very, very cool just traveling around Southeast Asia, I think. So for for background on the other co-host, Val, he does some crazy uh, away trips in Greece where they're going like on a overnight boat trip to one island to the next island. And it's like, how is that even allowed? Like they're doing like a flight, then a 10-hour bus trip, and then an overnight uh, boat ride. And I'm thinking, how are they even training in between this to play an away game? Like, some some places, it's just crazy how football works. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um. Next question. What is the best place that you've lived? Now, this kind of goes into the holiday thing. Even. Uh, yeah, um, it's an easy question. Um, I mean, despite being from Copenhagen or in a, I guess in Italy, it's also, also a nice place. I'm from the northern parts of Italy, but Throughout my career, I will say for sure, uh, for sure, Kuala Lumpur. Um, it's 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 hot. It's uh, it's modern. It's the food's amazing, and uh, the city, your city in general, it has everything. So for me, it's uh, it's Kale for sure. That's really cool. Um, normally, I think most people that I know would say that they always want to live in Copenhagen, and I'm say, I'm saying globally, if they had a choice to live anywhere. I actually hear a lot of the time Copenhagen. So I've got a friend who I, I do a few things with. He's also a footballer. And he's always talking about living in Denmark. It's his favorite place. He always go he's actually from the UK and it's not too far. So he always goes, travels around Denmark. And when I was in Denmark, my sister, I kid you not, I think she wants to move there now. And I'm thinking oh. Yeah, go for it. I mean, we we all love Denmark. And and yeah. you got the <laughs> Oh, it's a, it's a, I, I do understand it. I think now that I've been out for a while, I do appreciate Denmark more. Um, been out for many years in general, like around. And I think when you're, when you're from there, you don't get to maybe appreciate all the great things. Um, Denmark is a very, like, it's a safe country. 
it's I'm not too much into the four seasons, so that's maybe why I gravitated away. But but seeing mm. that the city of Copenhagen, which is my home city, it's uh, yeah, I do understand why people wanna settle down in uh, in Denmark and in Copenhagen, especially for sure. Yeah, how many years in total did you actually live in Denmark? Oh, uh, yeah, almost all my life. Honestly, it's uh, yeah. been very like uh, occasionally like living in Italy, and but it's. But my, uh, despite my dad being Italian and my mom also speaking Italian, it's we've been almost all the time in, in Denmark. So it's only because of my football I've been away from Denmark and Copenhagen, really. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I will also say in Denmark um, there are many nice cities, but for me Copenhagen is uh, is very special. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very nice. All right, the next question is: How old were you when you first started playing football? I was. Uh, think three years old um that's my i asked my dad once and he said uh it's uh it comes to a point where in denmark i think there's like the you know when you're a kid it's like you just go out and you play and and i think my dad he went to the to the local club a couple of times before when when do you when can kids start and when can kids start and they're like when they're five and my dad he was <laughs> not having it he was not having it so it's like a at some point, he just, uh, I think I like I could barely walk, right? <laughs> and then uh, just put me out there and, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been nonstop ever since. Yeah, that, that is actually crazy. I think you probably would have been able to kick a better, a ball better than walking probably at that age. Yeah, also, um, I, I, I think some people will, will have an idea of it, but I really have to emphasize how crazy South European men are about football. It's uh, yeah. one of those things that I, 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 I saw some pictures from when I was born and everything. And it's just like, I think the day my father, he found out it's a son. Then he knew it, uh, all the toys has to be around somehow, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all the, all this, the pictures of uh, him, uh, like uh, finding a little spot of grass and just putting a ball and, you know, like uh, trying to tell you have to kick it, not grab it. And it's just like, uh, yeah. It's just a, I think it's a, that in the south southern parts of Europe, that's just a dream for a, for a father. When you get a son, yeah. got to be a football player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I see that. I have a lot of Italian friends because in Australia, yeah. there's heaps of Italians. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I I actually don't know one Italian whose dad didn't make them play football for probably <laughs> majority of their life. Like when you say that the, the southern European dads are crazy with football, yeah. I can tell you they're crazy. Like, yeah, and, and, and I, I even have a, a teammate now. Uh, I believe you maybe know him, uh, Giancarlo. Giancarlo got a yeah. for also. It's uh, Australian, um, born but Italian. Have Italian parents also. Yeah. And so he's Italian also. So it's the same for him. Yeah. It's like you ask him, I'm sure he'll give you a very similar story. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He actually, I, I never knew him personally, but um, he was at the Central Coast Mariners, which is the local team that is around me. And I had a lot of, um, so my neighbor who was literally in the house behind me right now, yeah. he used to play at that team. And that's actually why I started football. a very different story to how you started football. Cause this is only, this is only six years ago when I started football. Um, but yeah, it's, it's in Australia, it's so different. And I don't even think that I'm like, um, like abnormal to be starting football that late. I think that there's quite a few people in Australia. Um, who would start football that late and then also make a professional career out of it. So it's, yeah, it's really crazy. It is really crazy. But I will be fair, the Italians, they always start them early. 
the first ones on it. <laughs> they always are. Yeah. Um. All right. Next question. What is your favorite thing to do outside of football? Um, I have a little. I I guess it is different. The things that I really enjoy doing is because there's not one thing. Um, I, I'm really. Uh, I'm not really good at sitting still. So, whether it's uh, work on a on a, on other projects that I've uh, I've started and um, yeah, that that's that's something that really keeps me motivated and. And also keeps my mind active when I'm not playing football. So I'm not just sitting and playing computer or, or PlayStation. Um, so yeah, yep. engaging in different projects, um, starting different projects. That's something I really like to do. Um, I'm, I, I really like being uh, being in the nature. I like hiking. I like uh, yeah, just being uh, being outdoors. Really, um, traveling uh, traveling around and uh, seeing new places that I that I maybe haven't seen before and just sort of like figuring stuff out uh, on the on the go and uh i think uh yeah i think that's that that describes it quite well yeah awesome and that probably ties in a little bit to the next topic which is what does an average day for sebastian look like now obviously i now know what an average day looks like for you but could you give a brief summary of what an average day for you looks like from the moment you wake up to the moment that you go to bed well, um, yeah, the moment I wake up, the first thing I, I maybe I forgot to tell that last time. The first thing I'll do in the morning is uh, I will start with the uh, I will start with gratitude. I have uh, I have uh, I have my uh, my prayers. That's the first thing. Um, after that, that's very brief and it's a, it's a good way to start the day. The first thing I will do is uh, is train. I need to go train. I need to. Uh, Need to move. I need to uh, to do it, and I need to do it every morning. If I have something I have to do at seven a.m., well, it's, it's bad luck, Sebastian. Then it's I guess it's five twenty, because that I I I need that for my for everything for my well being for my for my productivity my energy. So that's a non negotiable. It's it is the training first. After the training, for instance, uh, yeah, this week um, I train first. I go up. I eat my bref- breakfast. Um, I see my schedule. I've always scheduled my day the like a, usually in the Sundays or and I just uh, look it through the day before, and then I will start going to work. That's mostly how it goes. In the evening, what I like to do again, if I have the time, I will go to the gym once again, and um, then it's maybe just some stretching. But I do believe that accumulated all those small things, the training, um, morning and in the evening, even if it's just like. 45 minutes here, 45 minutes there. I believe that consistency is, uh, yeah, is something that I value a lot in my life. Yeah, sure. It's it's a big thing. Now tell me two things. Why do you train in the morning, first thing, when you wake up? And secondly, what time is your team training sessions in season? Um, so the first uh, the first question is when I... when I why Why do you wake oh, up? I, um, train first thing i believe that i believe in the morning that's when your 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 brain is like a sponge so if the first thing you do is scrolling on the phone you've set yourself up for that uh, that slight little uh little uh hint of dopamine really for yeah. me what i want to do is really just get get it started right maybe i don't feel like training as honestly most of the days i don't feel like training um but doing that i set myself up for success every time I know that. Even if I'm not successful during the day, I set myself up for it. 
that's really, really important. And I believe that is one of those things that I, that's within my control. It's to start right, to set up my, it's like a, like a software, set it up correctly from the beginning. Um, so when the computer starts, then you start it properly. And, um, and yeah, during the season, my, uh, my training schedule is, uh, every day I will train, uh, 8 AM, which means I'll be at uh, the stadium at, uh, late the seven thirty. So if I want to, if I want to do my things and I, I don't of course go to the gym before my team training. Um, so in season, I will, uh, I will, uh, I will go to, go to, go to training obviously, and then I'll have another session in the evening. So I always have two sessions. Uh, during the day. Yeah. Awesome. And what I was going to say, and what you finished with then, completely compliments was what I'm going to say now. Footballers, I think, if we have a similar character, which most footballers do, we start to use words, we start to do all these things without commonly agreeing upon them, but we start doing them. I'll give you two examples. I, When I was editing the video um, before to, to send to you, I saw that you had an aura ring. And oh, yeah. I... Used to have Whoop. You can see right now I've got nothing on. Um, long story short, Whoop was revolutionary for me. And then that always set my day up better, right? Footballers, I, I, I also heard you use the word non-negotiable. Now, this is such a big thing, I think, for all footballers. And also for anyone who just wants to get better, right? Having these standards is very important. And I think... Anybody who wants to get better will naturally filter into these um, mechanisms, into these habits, into all these different ways of getting better. And I see this commonly with with footballers, of course, because you know that's my life as well. Um, but I do think because football is so competitive, you would know football is very competitive. We have to do everything to survive, right? The one percent details truly, truly matter at the very top. Um, now. Going into your training routine, you also mentioned two sessions a day, right? That's that's what you aim for. What yeah. does that look like in season, and what does that look like off season? Does is there much of a difference in terms of uh, energy expenditure, in duration, in X, Y, and Z? Is there any difference? Yes, um, but also I have I be, I've heard so many different views. Um, I, for instance, uh, have a lot of uh, I guess friends within, uh, let's say, the Premier League who will train one way and I will have my ways. Uh, I'm, I believe that regardless of where I'm at, now I'm off-season, but of course the the energy spent will be bigger. But for instance, I don't believe in weight training. Um, I don't believe in weight training for football players. I see a lot of football players, they are squatting a whole lot, they are lifting a whole lot of weights and it's not. I don't believe it's good for your, for your joints. I don't believe it's good for your muscles and... I, I train very intense, especially now, and it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of uh, much more. Um, I would say I like to train for more. Um, um, without like, I just want it to somehow simulate a, like a football football game. I'm playing for ninety minutes. I don't need to 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 lift for my chest, and if I want, I can do some. I can do some uh, push-ups and I can activate my core. I wanna, I wanna be strong. I wanna be functional, and um, I believe that's one big thing I do different. And um, I think in general in football, I, f I believe that's the future. I think it's outdated the way we work out. 
and uh, that's one thing I'm very concerned about every 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 year, whether it's off season, whether it's in season. Um, and um, in season, my my work, my 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 work schedule for my for my uh, for my fitness is more is much more stretching. It's uh, much more focused on uh, on um, prevention and uh, preventing injuries. So it's uh, it's all those small things and. Uh, and so far, I've been uh, I've been very successful with uh, with these things in my life. But it's again, I don't want to do it, but I know I have to do it every day. And then I always make sure that I get a little bit of a a little bit of a cardio involved. And it's very rare that I run, very rare. Really? Okay, interesting. I I, I really like the the opinion on the 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 weight training because the, so for context on my situation, right? I. Haven't been in the gym for six months. This is the longest I've ever been out of the gym because I had recent, well, recently in September, I had a surgery, non-football related. I've never had a football related injury in the past like five years other than a fractured wrist, which because someone kicked the ball at my wrist. And of course, you know, if it's close enough and it's hard enough, it's going to break. Um, as much as that is football related, it's not due to uh, muscles or whatever. It's just a freak accident. Um, I, I think... Looking at your physique, looking at how strong you are naturally, of course, you may have done some work before, but I'd love to know why you have the the belief around that. Because we, we speak with uh, strength and conditioning coaches from Everton. We speak, we speak with all these different strength and conditioning coaches uh, from, from Premier League clubs. And as you said, you know, it could be outdated, but the biggest teams in the world still do it. So why why did you come to that opinion? So I think there's one thing that is a lot of theory. You can read a lot, and I know I will never, I will never question the the people's uh, education or whatever. But I think many people tend to overlook the experience. And um, so when I was 23, I got signed for a big club in Denmark. Um, I weighed uh, 84 kilos. I am 184 centimeters tall. So it's and it was a lot. I didn't have any fat. I was very big. And um, just to to give you some numbers, my average, for instance, and and I know this is not um, how you measure success, but I tend to my average in a game for ninety minutes. I would run as a back then. I was actually more of like a winger, but it was like ten point six kilometers a game. And and I did my best. I really tried to run. I'm all, always seeing myself as hardworking player. Um, today I can say I'm obviously the same height, but I weigh 76 kilos. So wow. I lot yeah, and I didn't have any fat back then. Um, yeah. What changed for me was I got a, a, a very, very good PT in Denmark. Um, I'm still using, um, who had exactly a different, uh, opinion of how football players should work. And I know now he's a consultant for a lot of Premier League clubs. It's just quite interesting, but, um, that functional training for athletes um, completely changed my physique. And today I am by far the player in the Malaysian league who will run the most also. Um, I can now average almost 12. And not saying I have to, because maybe it, this game only demands me to run, I don't know, 10 and a half. And then maybe that will be the case. But it's just to say I have the capacity. Um, and um, I think also, one of the things that I didn't do a lot back then, my training or always simulates endurance now. Endurance, endurance, endurance. I'm 
and I'm a football player. I'm not a I'm not a powerlifter. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm an athlete, and I need to compete for 90 minutes. I need to be able to even for do it for 120 minutes. And um, I I don't like when I see in the preseasons. I see so many players every year. They are lifting. They are working hard, and they're doing what they're told. They will squat. They will do Nordic hamstrings. They will do anything for their for their body, and then they sprint, the calf, the thigh, something ACL. Yeah, even that. But like maybe the muscular injuries. At least um, that's when I see the weight training. Oh, shoot! This is a good idea. And mm-hmm. what is it actually we train the muscles for? Um, and um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I cannot say from a theoretical standpoint why. But I've played now for so many years. I started working out when I was 15. I was late developed. So I felt like, okay, I have to go to the gym. So that's why I also eventually took gained too, too many kilos. But yeah. looking in hindsight, that's one of my takeaways when it comes to physique. You're going to need to see like, a, let's take the, Prime example is look at Ronaldo's uh, physique when he was uh, when he suddenly just started to pull up, and you look at how lean he is now. He's mm. he's he's he doesn't train the same way anymore. You can see that he's much slimmer. He's much more. Uh, he's like his physique looks much more uh, balanced, and refined. I think. Yeah. yeah. And I I don't it's know. It's a very interesting point. I don't know if it's just the same realization I came to, but but for myself and. And uh, I, I needed that person in my life to sort of like give me that knowledge. And I'm so sorry to say this for, for the clubs, I guess, but sometimes this information that they have, that's just been passed down from another generation who got it from somebody else and nobody really mm. questions it. Yeah. You you are definitely onto, like, we, we do have that perception, right? And I think, honestly, I've seen a few people actually explain how the weight training could be hindering rather than actually helping and um th- there's a guy on instagram who talks about it a lot i think i follow him on the on the on the podcast instagram and i see some of the stuff he does and uh i've got a few actually people on linkedin as well and it, it's definitely an interesting one because is it whether it's not necessarily you stop the weight training and you do a different type of training uh, or you just scrap it completely. Well, what do you do? Do you still do stuff in in the gym? Do band work? Whether it's slayers, what, what for stuff? Do you do? So, for instance, my best friend is a is a TRX, and I have of okay. course the bands. So my yeah. I use a lot of weight. It's just not like in traditional way. So I use the the TRXs, which is often core training. Is still I just still do my versions of squats and lunges, but I always make it functional. I'm not never really isolating one little muscle and, and pumping. I try to incorporate uh, also uh, exercises for my joints. So my uh, so I can, uh, you know, sometimes you will twist your ankle a little here and there. It's my job to keep them, keep them strong. And um, I always make, for every workout I have, my my core is always, is always my, uh, is always uh, a focus. Maybe I can uh, today. I'll do a little more for my uh, for my legs, and uh, next day there will be a little more upper body involved. But it's never with with weights really. And if it is, if there is, it's a small weights, and then I use them in a in a in a in a um, in a sequence in a way. Um, hmm. So it's always there's always this element of if I'm for instance now in off season where I'm fatiguing, 
where I will while dress for air like get a little get a little bit of that because I am a football player. I'm not a I'm not a bodybuilder. Yeah, I love the emphasis on that because when you think about it and you see, I mean, I I, th- I think I've seen a, a joke about Messi touching like weight. You never see it, and then I saw his one video, and it was Messi like doing like he, I think it was at PSG, and he like lifts a, like one dumbbell in his right arm, and it looks like a joke, like it looks it looks fake. Um, and going on top of that as well. So my neighbor, same guy who made me start playing football. I believe that actually when he went to a club in Australia, he moved from my local club to, to the next club. And he probably was like you where he had so much muscle and he was, I think 86 kilograms and probably the same height. Uh, but as li- I, I think his body fat was probably eight or, or 9%. And, and, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think this guy had a background of um, his dad was a famous rugby player, his brother was a famous rugby player, and his sister was a famous netball player. So they were just all athletes. Um, And a part of him joining this new team, he actually had to lose five kilograms in, I think, a month. Now, that's ridiculous because where's he going to lose that weight from, right? He's going to have to lose it from muscle because he's got no fat to lose. So... That is also maybe, you know, maybe people are starting to change around that, that, that narrative, right? Because as footballers, as you said, right, the emphasis on we're footballers, not uh, an athlete who is a footballer. We, we, are, we are footballers. And it's, it's a very interesting, um, very interesting point. Now, it also brings me perfectly onto the, the next topic, which is going on to where in your football career have you started to change doing different things? Because I would imagine the day that you had when you were 17 years old and the day that the Sebastian has today would look very different. So where where was that change from when you were a young kid playing football to where you are now? I think it's, it's difficult because there's a lot of, I guess, um, really um, defining moments in, a, in, a, in an athlete's career. Um, that right person often comes along at some point and changes, changes everything for you. Um, I had my first really, really, really important encounter when I was, I must have been a 20, yeah, 22. I got a very late breakthrough as a football player. Um, I had this dream my whole life, but for some reason I couldn't really, everybody had this perception that Sebastian's a talented player some reason I always trained well, I did the right things, but I couldn't really get it out. And um, it was, and I didn't get that in Europe. It's like, if you don't have to break through quite early, it's, mm, will he make it? Because there'll be somebody who's younger and better. And so for me, what eventually happened was that when I was 22, I was just a, I was a dumped in a, in a in a club and I didn't really get any playing time. This was in the third division in Denmark and and I had a I, I had an old coach from way back who called another coach in that league and asked if I could come to try out. So I get this phone call from that coach who asked me, you can come to the tryouts. But I'm just telling you, we have a really strong team. You're you're most likely not gonna make it. And I'm like, okay, um, okay, sure. And then he asked me, what which position do you play? And I just thought, if I am to have a chance, I'm gonna have to play the position he wants me to. So I just asked, where 
uh, which which positions do you need? And said, we really need, need a left fullback. And I just said, okay, I'm a left fullback. And I got into the club like that. Now, wow. what really is quite amazing now, this coach turned out to be, in the best way possible, crazy. Because, yeah, of course, it took him two minutes. He saw he's not a left fullback. He's right-footed. He's not defending. He's... <laughs> Um, and, and he just, he just loved that, that I had the balls and the, and the courage to cut just, and, and wanted it so bad that I was willing to lie to get into the team. And, um, that was the first, he, he took away my, that thing that blocked me throughout my, I would say my late teen years and my star twenties was, um, this, uh, extreme fear of, uh, of failure, this extreme fear of not being good enough, this this habit, I think a lot of footballers can relate to where you're pleasing mm -hmm. a lot of, a, like a coach, like some of the more established players in the team. And I got to an environment where there's none of that. They just wanted me to relax. And yeah, a year later, I was the player of the year on that in that league and as a left fullback. And, I, and then I went straight to the best league in Denmark. Uh, and and that's how fast it can go. That was the first encounter yeah. I had, where okay, this really changed uh, changed my uh, me as a player. And to this day, is when I look at me as a football player, I can change here and there. I can become better at this or maybe adjust this. But going back to the core essence, I know that what he taught me, what he what he uh, what he he always demanded that his players. They need to always want the ball. And I was in a place in life where I was super scared of having the ball. Maybe too much. I took too much in. I was too um, easy to uh, to uh, affect from my uh, ex uh, external uh, environment. And mm. that really changed me as a player. And to this day, it has, uh, yeah, it has uh, it set the foundation for me having a football career, for sure. That's an amazing story. That, that's, that's really, really amazing. It's very interesting to hear. 22 years old, playing in the third division of Danish football. Because from, from memory, right, they don't even classify the second division as professional in Denmark. Although I believe I believe it is. I've, I've, um, I've got friends who play in, in that division. And I've also got friends who play in the third division. And I know the standard is good. But I think, is that right? The second division isn't actually classified as a professional league. So the best league obviously is the second best league now in Denmark is uh, professional now, all of them. Okay. Uh, the third best league, there are a few uh, full-time teams, some part-time and some amateurs. Not a lot of amateurs. Everybody's paid. But um, yep. yeah, back then, this team I went to was a promoted club to the third league. I didn't I didn't make a dime. Oh, wow. That. It was nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. So it's... it's um, And yeah, and when you're not young, I turned... Uh, after that year, I was 23. And I remember always having this feeling that I was behind. I'm falling mm. behind. Like the others, they, they're already here and there. And and suddenly, I found myself in a really good position, just like in a year. And since then, I've had so many setbacks. Also, COVID came. I decided yeah. to move to uh, to the Faroe Islands at that point. Um, because football was suspended and I wanted to play. And and I, I think I was a little tired of everything i think covid did some things to us but um but yeah i i found out that i really loved playing football when i was up there and um 
I came back, went to a team in the second best league. And this time, same thing as when I went to the club in the third best league. They said, we need a defensive midfielder. And I said, sure, I'll do that. And a year later, I had a really strong season and then and then, and then then go get going again. I always knew that I have this belief now in myself that wherever I go, it's in football, it's not just about whether you're good enough. I have a belief I am good enough, but I also know that know now that this is not tennis. In tennis, you know you're gonna play. In tennis, you can have yeah. you, you you will play. Um, and and you don't you have a coach, but the coach has to pick you. It's not like he can put you on the bench. And it's not like uh, he can say you maybe you're bad for the team in one way or another. In football, there's a lot of other circumstances, and that's why there's a little luck involved. There's a little uh. There's so many different things, but what we can do is, is continue. And I knew that from getting my breakthrough or my debut and professionally very, very late, that even to this day, I, yeah, I, I, I still, I still believe that. So when I have less good periods, I guess it's, it's still the same. I know, you know, it can change like from like a zero to a hundred and yeah, in very short time. Amazing. That, that brings up two questions for me and. The first one is that switch that you had going from the third division to the first division. And you said that that was, it was, it was, a, it was more of a mental thing for you because going from the third division to first division physically and, and skill wise, that's a big jump. But you're saying that that for you, that bridge was, was the mental side. Did you explicitly work on the mental side there? I believe I, I always have, um, but it's also, it's, it's not like uh, working on your bicep. Your brain is complex. It comes with experience. It comes with, again, the right people. We Today, we have access to so much information, but like really putting that into use in our life is, di is difficult. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, so I will say that I'm lucky that I had I had a mentor from when I was 15, a really, really good mentor um, who who I always could spar with regarding the, I guess, the mental struggles of being being an athlete. Um, but I, even though he's, in, in my opinion, he's maybe one of the best in the whole world to do that, I wasn't prepared to really put it into use until I hit a certain age. So mm. it's it's not that it's, you can just put it in there and then now I got it. It's, it doesn't work like that. It's, yeah. it's different. Um, the only thing we have to do, and that is to keep going. Because if you stop, that's when you never will, you'll never really reap the, all the benefits of that knowledge or that information. Because up until that, it's just information. In this world, we can just say things because we've read it and then we can sound like experts. But it's when you internalize that information, you put it into use, you try it for yourself over a course of time and you maybe start to teach others. That's when you can go that full circle about learning something. Um, yeah. But you'll never do that if you if you stop halfway or yeah. three uh, uh, three quarters down the way. It's it's, it's just work like that. You never know what's what's in front of you. Even if you think that, oh yeah, this is not going anywhere. Okay, you've decided that it's not it's not an objective truth. You've decided. It's a brilliant mentality to have. I, I think that um, someone who's got a story like you, 
if if someone if let's say Ronaldo says that, we're gonna have less of a hard time believing it because it's like, oh, people have this conception of of Ronaldo that everything was given to him on a silver platter. It's definitely not the situation that happened, but it's evident that you went through this struggle. Now, I'm not saying Ronaldo didn't, because I'm sure he went through struggles. But when we see the, the perception of, of people and the things that they go through, you've, you've really got a true testament for what you've just said there. And, and I speak about it um, on LinkedIn a bit, actually. I, I think I made a post maybe a month ago saying, like, why is it that someone will get paid $1 million for saying something? Like, let's say... Um, bringing it back to when I when I was with you last time and I said Tim Grover this guy he gets paid millions to speak in front of people but if I was to then say that and I was I copy and pasted his speech I wouldn't get paid a cent for it why is it it's because he's actually lived it he's actually yeah. got the validity to do it exactly what you said information is everywhere but when we actually apply it that is when we're able to start saying things and people start saying oh he actually did it people start to listen and this is where your story is a true testament to it and i really hope that i'll be able to do the exact same you know i mean i think that my story it's ups and down ups and down but i think we have a similar attitude here is and exactly what you said at the end there it's like if you quit you won't succeed but if you keep going you know you've got more chance of getting there because when you quit it's a full stop and this is a really, really deep question that I want to ask you, but it's it, it requires a lot of self-reflection in terms of looking back at past years and past years. But have you always had that attitude to where if I don't quit, I've got more chance of getting it? Or was that a real struggle for you to develop that attitude? Um, I think uh, when you're a kid, it comes down to the values you're, you, you, you've been raised with. Um, from my household, I didn't have the option to quit. I've wanted to quit so many times. And maybe I've even said it out loud. You know, mom, I'm going to quit today. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, and like I told you, for instance, it's, I will answer your question by saying the reason why I train every day is for that exact same reason. When you incorporate good habits into your life, when you start doing the small things for you, you start to build a narrative. I am who I say I am. I am good enough. I am strong enough. That discipline is eventually the answer to that question. That builds the character. That slow, that slow growth in any part of your life where you just consistently devote time every day. That gives you the, the belief that, yes, I can do this. I can do this. Maybe, but problem is we want to figure out when and that's not up to us we don't know when and everybody has a timeline oh but by i'm 22 i'm playing in the best league in spain by i'm 25 i'm playing in Real Madrid, and by 28 i have a ballon d'or and sure it's, it's it's okay if you if you if you like to do that and and it's, i'm not saying i'm an advocate for, for for goal setting but you have to understand when you're when you're living life your job is not to figure out when you're receiving anything. Your job is to work hard, be gracious in defeat, and if you are if you are victorious, if you're successful, always always keep your head down and keep those habits up because that those habits 
uh, what's going to, when you're having those tougher moments, that's essentially is going to say, nah, I've invested way too much into this to just because I had a bad week or bad month to say, oh no, this is, this is not for me. No, it's, that's the problem is if you start to, I guess, stop living your life, stop doing your best. Um, a lot of football players, you can see when they're not playing, they start to get really bad habits. They start to go out more. They start to uh, stay up late, slacking on all those small things. And maybe even if you do, you will still be successful. Maybe, but it's just you've already compromised now on that, on those principles. You've already compromised. That means you can do it again. So that's my biggest fear. Yeah. I don't want to compromise on any of my principles because I know there will be bad times again. I know, but I know if I can't, if I cannot work hard when I'm doing good and I, then also I cannot, I, and I cannot work out when I'm doing bad, then at some point, yeah, I will, I will start cheat and I'm not cheating anybody. I'm just cheating myself. And that's what's going to leave me in a place where my attitude will be, will not be constant. It'll be uh, easily, easily uh, affected and it depends yeah, however I feel in the morning, I guess then. Sebastian, I to take down so many notes there. I hope you don't mind because my <laughs> mind was coming up with so many questions and I'm like, that's 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 exactly what I was thinking five minutes ago. Like, um, I've, I've got so many things written down here and, and it tied in perfectly to, to one like really big question that I had to, which tied into another question that I previously asked, which was the the things that you said about the belief that you had in yourself. Now, I also have this, what I call delusional beliefs. And it's, I say it's like purposeful delusion, but it's per, it, it's delusion to other people. But to me, it's like, it just makes sense because you align your actions with your words. And I think exactly what you're saying there, if anyone in, in, in the world is able to align their beliefs with their actions, it's you because you've done it. Other people, when they do these positive affirmations, they look in the mirror and say, Nick, I'm going to be the, the best looking today and I'm going to, I'm going to go and, and, and earn millions of dollars. But then they go and do everything that they've been doing previously and they're not going to earn millions and they're not going to look good. Like you actually did everything it takes to get there and said that. Therefore, you're just reaffirming your beliefs. And I think that's very commendable. And I, I, that's what I try and uh, teach with the sculpted uh, message. The three pillars is the three things that you live by and pride yourself in and aligning your actions with your words it's so crucial and people do it and they say it but sometimes they're not aware of it and when you are aware of it and you reflect on it which i remember in the last episode we spoke about um where sundays you're talking about all these things in uh, your week journal whatnot this is so important um and what you said about the the working the working part of it is doing hard things you mentioned that you hate training i literally made an episode about this i think in between from when we gave the first episode ago and to this episode today is i i, I gave a comparison to the hardest moment in my life and i then gave a comparison to that training session that morning and i said the hardest moment in my life probably doesn't even outweigh the mental uh, battle that I had to go through to go and train because I really didn't want to train and I kept on compromising with myself. I was like, okay, Nick, 
you got up early, um, you're feeling sore, I only need to do 45 minutes. And whenever I have these thoughts, I always make sure I do 30 minutes more because I'm like, that feeling that you get when you do something hard and you do it well, I'm sure you know this feeling. It's the best feeling in the world. And I, I made um, I made a, a episode strictly about that. And then the other thing you mentioned was aligned with that and, and what I thought about that. And just before uh, we started recording, I just finished my second session of the day. And it was, my dad said something and I was like, who's going to work for me when I'm not working? No one's going to work for me when I'm not working. So this is something that I see in you. You're working hard because you know that if anyone is, you know, I, I gave an analogy with, with the sculpt analogy is it's someone is, everyone is sculpting their own life in a rock. Right now, you're sculpting your life. And imagine if I came over to you and I started sculpting your rock, how would you feel? You'd probably be pissed off. And even if I was doing the right thing, I think you would rather me never ever touch it, even if I was doing the right thing, because you know that your results are your fault. And like we were saying before with, um, and sorry, I am rambling a little bit here, but you just, you, you invoke so many great topics. Um, you, you talked about how there's so much information and the best Oh, a sculptor like myself, I may know everything to do, but I can't do it because I haven't lived these valuable experiences. And this is what you were talking about. Your results are your fault and you are okay with it. Good, bad, and the ugly. And this is something that I really, really see. And it kind of ties into what I was saying before. Footballers, I think a lot of footballers have this, but I think with you, if anyone's qualified to speak about it, it's you because you've done it. Now, Sorry about that. That I went so um, so off topic, and I, I rambled on for way too long. But I love I love what you said there. Um, going on to though, how you have improved in your football journey, right? You, just speaking about what we've spoken about now, that's a lot of a lot of things to come with. How do you now today? How does Sebastian try and improve every single day? Um, I believe it starts with the foundation. Um. I think in everything I do, whether it's, let's stick to football for now, but it can be anything, whether it's in businesses, it's whether in whatever I'm doing, I think it believes, it, I believe it starts with the foundation. The foundation is what can you control? What can you not? Um, I know for myself, what I can control is my attitude, my actions, my effort, my body language, these things I can, I can, I can, uh, I can control that. And. I believe I told you this last time. I live by this very principle every day in my life. It's very important to me that whatever I do, I always perform six out of 10, always six out of 10. If I do that, then I know I've always held that consistency. So if I'm at my worst day, I'm a six. That consistency is still going to add up in the end. And yeah. I believe that foundation that is the cornerstone of my development as a human being and as a football player. Because as you keep performing that 6 out of 10, 6 out of 10, 6 out of 10, or at least 6 out of 10, then suddenly you start to raise to 6.3, 6.4, 6.5. And slowly, 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 that's, that's where you grow. You don't grow from racing from the top. If you can hit a 10 out of 10, it's, it's amazing. I congratulate you. It's amazing. 
But if you on your worst day are a two out of ten, then that's where your growth is. And I always believe that I raise my foundation every day. So I raise my standard. And I don't try to, I don't try to raise my uh, my top performance because you know what, I I played a, a full season now. I will believe I don't have a single nine or ten out of ten performance, but I have the most games, and I will. I don't know if I have the highest average, but I believe I will be up there. And I think that's where I see a lot of people slightly maybe having their focus in the wrong place because growth has to happen from your from your from your foundation and that's what you can control mm. i i remember when i said this last time i loved the six out of ten and i wanted to say something on top of that which i um had thought about on top of that which was if i was to aim to be something that i'm not every single day then i'm gonna end up doing worse than what I would get at knowing what I can do. So for example, if I was to aim for a 10 out of 10 every single time, like statistically, that is impossible. Humans, we are flawed, right? There will always be an error or something that makes us even a 9.9. .9. So aiming for a 10 out of 10 every single game, is gonna be impossible. And at six out of 10, you said it really succinctly there, which was perfect. Because I think when we spoke about it last time, we went on a bit, but what you said there was perfect. That, that compound of just focusing on the six out of 10 and just improving. Because what you said uh, was a coach of yours previously, he told all of you guys, all the players, that the difference between you and Messi, it's it's nothing massive. It, it's a few percent. And that's what that 6 out of 10 is. And, and now I don't believe you're a 6 out of 10 the, the way you're playing. You, you're probably 8s or 7s or, or whatever that is. But for someone just starting off, maybe Sebastian, uh, six, six years ago, maybe that was the 6s. But now, refining, getting better, working that chisel on the sculpture. That's how you improve. And, and I, I really, really love that point. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like a it's like a marathon run. If you if you start sprinting right away, yeah, he's really fast in the first five minutes. But he has thirty eight kilometers left. And I'm just saying that it's a way of it's a way of thinking. And I think a lot of people could benefit from thinking about what's inside of my control. How can I how can I perform on these criteria instead of how many goals did I score? How many this, this, and that? There's so many of those that it's variables and you you, you, can't, you can't control it. And trust me, if you manage to always consistently deliver at least six out of 10, yeah, sometimes you'll hit a nine, sometimes you'll hit a seven, maybe a 10, maybe like, yeah, it's, but you never sink below that six. That's and six is still a, a, an an over average performance. And yeah. but of course, if you are if you're reckless in the, in your one thing is being brave, another thing is being reckless. You can be passive, you can be brave, courageous, and you can be reckless. So if you are to go for that ten out of ten, 10 out of ten performance and whatever you do, you have to take a lot of risk. You're a, out of balance. Maybe you hit it. Maybe you get it right, but you have to do it again tomorrow. And then you didn't get it right. And now you've, you, you, you messed up. So it's a balance and it's, it's a discipline that we humans can never necessarily get hundred percent right, but we yeah. can improve every day. 
It's also a really good point that how do we even measure a six out of 10? We actually can't really measure a six out of 10. Of course, we've got our stats and whatnot, but it's a very, very hard thing to actually measure. Now, what I want to quickly touch on is the religious aspect. Now, I remember when we were closing, you mentioned, I believe it was, you, you grew up in a Catholic household. Is that right? Yeah. So I also, I think, I think that there's been a recent, um, boom in, in people being more comfortable with talking about their religion and, and I'll be the I'll be the first one to say yeah because more people are speaking about it I'm more comfortable with speaking about it myself as well and also it comes as as I grow older um but th there's even a stat with with wars and whatnot with uncertainty people become more religious and it, it's definitely something that I see is is much more prevalent today so what, what I want to go into that is I believe that in your career you've dealt with so much uncertainty what aspect and role did religion have to play with that? Um, I believe that it somehow it emphasizes what you should try to control and understand and what you shouldn't. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty. If you want to become an athlete, yeah, especially in football, there's uncertainty all the time. Um, for instance, for myself, I'm out of contract now. I, I don't know. And I could get an offer tomorrow and I could take it and maybe it's the wrong one. So I was desperate mm -hmm. when I took it. So I believe that religion plays a role and it teaches us to understand our feelings, our thoughts in a way. And um, there's this, um, and I don't, again, I'm not one to say what's right and what's wrong. That's not what I'm doing with religion. Um, I'm an advocate for every religion. They're beautiful. But I don't, try to understand everything in this world in this world i'm unable to and so is it, so are any other human being so me understanding that i just have to be faithful i live by i live by principles in my life i try to be disciplined i try to be brave i try to be wise in my life i treat others fair and well there's just some cornerstones in religion that can help you as a guideline in life and uh, both also when you're at your low, where people tend to gravitate towards religion, it also helps you. And that's also another test to when you're successful, how do you deal with it? Are you still going to be faithful or you, or do you lose your, or do you, do you, do you lose your, your, your humility in life? And I think religion, whether it's Islam, whether it's uh, Buddhism, whether it's uh, Christianity, doesn't matter. It's. There are so many beautiful passages in religion, and I, and I believe that this uh, we can call it like a spiritual awakening going on around the world. Um, really emphasizes a lot of the I guess lost values and guidelines that human beings are supposed to have in this uh, in this life because we've dealt with a pandemic, we have wars going on, and we we tend to believe that religion is the problem. In my opinion, it's not religion is not the problem. It's because religion. Is can be can be interpreted by human beings, so it's the way humans interpret uh, religion that unfortunately causes uh, causes causes issues. But for me, as an athlete, it helps me being grounded. It helps me to to wait and to not be and not not act in desperation because I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. Mm. Yeah, I really love the point there. How it's, I mean, f fundamentally. Religion is always going to be a net positive, I believe. And, and I think you are right with how the interpretation is the flaw, not the religion itself. 
Um, now, dealing with those uncertainties, I, I, I love the point where you're talking about sometimes you just don't need to worry about specific things because they're out of your control. And I've been there many a time. And I think that through, through these tough times as well, you, you kind of have to lean on it because it's like, well, it's like so far out of my control and it's, it could be making my career. It could be breaking my career, but all I can do is rely on the work I've done previously up until this day. And then the rest of it is out of my control. And, and that's where I, I think religion is very powerful. Um, but also the other thing is, is what I believe is that you also can't just forget about the religion after you've got through a tough time, because trust me, the tough times are going to come again. And also there's, there's so much beauty in, in, in being in the good times as well. And we take, we take granted these specific things and it ties back into what you talked about with your gratitude and when you wake up, you're grateful. I love that as well. Um, before we close off into the last questions for you, Sebastian, I want to quickly go on to your latest venture in business. Can you give us a bit of a uh, definition of what you're doing right now and then an introduction to what you're doing? Yeah, so I recently uh, embarked on a new venture. It's called the uh, Icebox Recovery. Um, and uh, the whole concept is to make a, is to make a cold water like ice baths more uh, accessible for uh, but not just athletes, because we a lot of athletes are used to ice baths for recovery purposes, physical recovery purposes. But now, especially in the European countries, I, I imagine, and in the West in general, it's become much more mainstream, and the, the benefits, especially mentally, has been has been uh, has been much more documented. And um, yeah, so I started this journey uh, a couple of months ago, and. Um, and what I really, where I really hope to to go with this is to create a to create the world's biggest uh, and most influential recovery uh, recovery brand in the world. It's amazing. It's um, it's a very cool thing when you see athletes doing businesses. I think because it's, it's leveraging that social group. Because as I said, like if I was to say and repeat the words of someone who has said something before me, who am I said? They say it, and people listen. This is something that you've done before. People listen. And, and I think it's a very, very cool thing. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. Uh, and I, I mean, I think last time when I spoke to you as well, I was saying how I've got mine. I was actually in it just before we came in. And yeah, the, I think it's such a it's such a great uh, tool to have. And it's also, you've got the portable one, right? So yeah, um, so this one is a, a portable recovery top. It's uh it's basically for for anyone to get started on the journey, and um, and um, obviously we have much more in the in the in the pipeline to go. But uh, but for now, it's it's also about really wanting to promote and facilitate uh, wellness and lifestyle and health in general. Um, and um, yeah, that's and that's through uh, through uh, through cold water. It's uh, if people haven't really tried it before, it's. Uh, it's a great way to also build a resilient mind. We've talked a lot about the mind today and the brain today, and unfortunately, in this world, because we are we we are so comfortable, we don't have to be uncomfortable in our lives. And why would you be uncomfortable? You may ask, but 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 that's not how we are supposed to live as as, as human beings. We need to be uncomfortable sometimes, also to really appreciate being comfortable. And it's it builds and it builds more resilience to do things you don't like to do. And I definitely don't want to go into cold water. Um, and I I don't know a lot of people who really loves it. And I've heard say I love ice baths. Yeah, it's you love the benefits of it. You don't really love yeah. to sit down in the in the in the in the cold water. But 
it's a great test to to the mind. This comes with a lot of benefits, and um, whether you're an athlete or not, it's not important. So it's really for everybody to, to try. It, I think. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, I think as you said, it's becoming more mainstream, and people are seeing the benefits of it. And you're spot on when you say people are so comfortable. And I do believe that the awareness that you have on comfort comes from your reflection of gratitude. I think it's something that I notice when I also um. I don't have an explicit gratitude journal. It's just in my journal where I write down things that I am uh, grateful for, which sounds like a gratitude journal, but it's just mixed in there. Um, and I've been doing it for maybe a year now. And um, yeah, I, I, I put things into perspective and I'm like, wow, I could be in the front lines of a war right now. That's that's where I would be with my age. But it's, I'm not. And I take for granted every single day that I have. It, it just puts into perspective how, how lucky we are. And then it's like, well, who am I to just be comfortable all my life? I, I I, almost owe it to the world to be uncomfortable because so many people are comfortable. And um, it, it's such a an amazing thing because ice baths are the entry point, I think. And, and like you said, right, the ice bath for you is probably easier than doing a training session, but it's that entry point for so many people. And that's where I think uh, it's going to be a very, very exciting venture for you to explore that some more yeah it's, it's the same as we talked about the training in the morning it's that compounding effect of good habits done consistently over yeah a course of time it's going to compound and it's setting yourself up for success and and some people think like how does it how do i become successful by going into an ice bath you know what i don't even want to like explain why it's just it's it's more like good habits that's eventually what will lead people to the idea of success and whether it's financially, whether it's, it's within sports or it's within their, their job or as a parent or, or whatever, those good habits is what I'm got, what's going to make you run all the way, like over the finish line. And that's why I want to advocate and raise some awareness on a good habit and how I can make a difference in, in people's life. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Now, aware of the time, I wanted yeah. to finish off with the last question that we have for all of our guests. Now, what are three ways that you sculpt yourself every single day? Three ways I sculpt myself. Can you... Uh, so, in terms of getting better and improving. So, for me, my journal is a big part of how I get better. So, uh, reflection. You know, I make sure that today is going to be better tomorrow because of today. It could be the meditation. It could be the, the gratitude journal. It could be your training. So sculpting yourself to get better every single day. Three ways that you do that. Anyways, I, well, um, I think a lot of it is just, again, maintaining a high standard in everything I do. I don't necessarily think too much about like a, um, how much better I get. I just know that if I set a high standard for myself, yeah, I'm going to get better. And maybe if, when you look a year back in your life, then you can really see, oh, sh I really, I really moved the needle this year. Um, so it's again, all the small habits in life. I can't say something specific where it's like, it's, it's a, uh, I can't say it's the journaling. I can't say it's the praying. I can't say it's the, training I, I it's again it's compounding 
it's not i don't see them isolated like that it's it's again setting a standard that's high in terms of habits and always or never compromising on those habits for instance when i say the training in the morning really prioritizing that because we can just do it in numbers if you have if you have a full year and you manage to work out let's say 300 uh, days out of a full year then you've already worked out a lot and compared to one who doesn't work out well over a year you will see the difference and that that's in all the small things it's all the habits it's whether you drink the smoke it's oh yeah in general how you eat your, your sleep your your circle of friends um that's how i set some i set i do i make a sort of like a setting for myself that's that's what i want in my life and that's what i'm gonna perform on and i'm not compromising on that so for me it could be for instance i chose and i don't say anybody else should do that but i'm not drinking for instance the reason why i'm not drinking is not because of religious or any other any other things that there's nobody who tells me i can't drink it's just one of those things where i feel like ah okay that's one way i can do better and also one thing i will share about myself and i don't know whether this is actually very common, but for me, I don't, and then now I'm so sorry, I know we're done, but it's like, a, it's one of those things where I'm, I hear a lot of people today talk about like, we have a lot of stress, we have anxiety, and, and we, we tend to think of it in a, in a very, in a very bad way, like, oh yeah, stress and anxiety is very, very bad. But one thing about me that I, that I, I have another perspective in it. I think everybody has stress and everybody has some sort of anxiety in some ways. My biggest insecurity and anxiety is also my, I have a crippling anxiety that I'm not good enough. That is exactly why I need to work so hard every day. I use that anxiety to improve every single day because I'm afraid I'm not good enough. So doing that, using that anxiety, instead of sitting and trying to cure myself from, from being anxious, well, you'll be, it's a feeling congratulations like you'll be happy sometimes you will also feel anxious and that's one thing also i will say while we're here that sometimes those feelings are the most the most motivating that you are feeling anxious that you're feeling scared um and that's also one way when i sculpt my success uh on my yeah my over a year i know one of my biggest drivers actually the biggest driver is my crippling anxiety that I'm not good enough. And it has to be that it's meant in the best way possible because I know it's a part of the equation. It's, I need that to keep going in, in anything at life. Yeah, that was uh, amazing. I, I, I love that and I, I do relate to that, which is, um, it, it's a bit of a crazy thing. Hey, that it's, it's like an insecurity could be used for a good thing. And it could be such a big reason for action. And, and I don't have an issue with it. And I don't think you have a massive issue with it at all. And um, maybe it's a controversial thing for people to hear, but it works for you. It's been working for me. Let's keep going with it, you know? Let's keep going with it. And I also like how I think you, you, you frame things as the world's your library, you know? Whether it's icebox that you're doing, it's going to help you with football. Whether it's the strength, the strength work that you do, it's going to help you with football. Whether it's the X, Y, Z, everything you do is to help you become a better player or just a better person. I, I always try and 
become a better Nicholas Craigfield every single day. And I'm sure that you try and become a better Sebastian Avanzini every single day. And that's what I that's what I call sculpting, right? That's the analogy of using the chisel. So it's um yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy life and, and we touched on so many different things about how yeah. it's in here. It's in here. And um I love to see the accountability that you've got. I love to see all these these amazing attributes in yourself. And um that's why I love sitting down with footballers, right? Because I get to pick your brain and then the listeners are able to see this is what it's like to be a professional footballer. This is what it takes because so many people, they don't know what it takes. And I love how you opened up and you explained all of these different things. No one, no one thinks that a professional footballer like yourself, their biggest insecurity is, is it's massive. It's massive, but that's also probably one of their biggest strengths. No one really thinks about that. And, and, and it's amazing to hear that uh, from yourself. So Sebastian, thank you so much. We're hopping on and, and and sharing everything, being an open book. I, I'm I'm sure that all of the listeners will appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, what an episode! I I really really appreciate your time again. Of course, man. Of course, man. It's my pleasure, and uh, I'm happy that uh, hopefully we got this uh, we got it right this time. So, uh... hope. I really really hope so. I really hope so. Oh.